You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Matthew chapter 2 and verse number 11, and we'll read down to verse number 15. Matthew 2 and verse number 11. The Bible says, And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with, his mo- with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. When they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeareth to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise! And take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Verse 14, when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night, and departed into Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son." Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We pray that you would speak to our hearts from your word. I pray that it would be alive. I pray that it would be powerful. I pray that it be practical. I pray be helpful. Uh, Lord, may we not miss the truths that you have for us this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. In this passage, I'd like to draw your attention to verse number 13, about the middle of the verse. It says, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt, and notice this next phrase, and be thou there. This is the angel speaking to Joseph, and he said, I want you to get up, I want you to take uh, the, the baby, I want you to take Mary, and I want you to go to Egypt, and I want you to be there until I bring thee word. You know, in the Christmas story, we see a lot of traveling that took place. Let's start with the basics of what we know. Mary and Joseph started out in a place called Nazareth, Galilee, that region. And the Bible says in Luke 2 that they traveled down to Bethlehem. That was a journey of about 80 miles. Uh, I make a lot of trips from here to Raleigh and to Durham and to different places, but that would be like driving or, or walking from here to Wake Med in Raleigh, 80 miles. Mary and Joseph, she was expecting, and they were on their journey from, uh, from uh, Galilee, from Nazareth down to Bethlehem. They made that journey. The Bible tells us after they were there in Bethlehem, they made several trips to Jerusalem, and they went there to the temple. That would be a, a trip of about five miles, not too far. Then from Bethlehem, after the wise men came, The Bible tells us in this passage that God gave them the orders to go from Bethlehem down into Egypt. And most Bible scholars would agree that they went just south of of Herod's jurisdiction into a region that would have been under the Egyptian rule and uh, under uh, that uh, region. And that would have been a journey of about 40 miles. After it was all said and done, they were in Egypt. We find in Matthew chapter uh, 2 that verse number 19, it says, When Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeareth in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, 
saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and go into the land of Israel, for they are dead which sought the young child's life. And he arose and took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus did reign in Judea in the room of his father Herod, he was afraid to go thither, notwithstanding being warned of God in a dream, he turned aside into parts of Galilee. We see in, uh, in, in our, our, our uh, Bible study, we see that that trip from Egypt back up to Nazareth would have been a trip of about a hundred miles that they would have traveled. A lot of traveling, a lot of, uh, uh, of trips going on for Mary and Joseph in these few years. The first trip in Luke 2 was God-ordained by a decree that was made by Caesar Augustus. God did not appear to Joseph to make that trip. Joseph just got up and he obeyed the law and he did what he was supposed to do and he took Mary and he took, uh, uh, he took Mary and he went to uh, Bethlehem and that's where Jesus was born. Isn't that amazing how God used the decree from a Roman ruler to get them in the right spot because Micah 5 verse number 2 the prophecy was given that Jesus would be born, not in Nazareth, not in Jerusalem, but he would be born in Bethlehem. The first trip was ordained. It was ordered by God. The second trip and the third trip that we'll look at here from Matthew 2 were made for different reasons. Now, traveling today is much different than traveling was in Bible times. Today, if we're going to make a trip, say a trip of 80 miles, how many of you think you're probably going to want to go in a car? Would that sound good? Some of you health enthusiasts, maybe you say, I'd like, to, I'd like to run part of that, or I'd like to bike part of that. I'd like to ride in a car for all of that, all 80 miles. But not just a vehicle, but when you're making a trip like that, there's more that you need for that journey. How many of you like to have a GPS when you're going somewhere that you've not been before? All right, put your hands down. How many of you don't believe in GPS? You use the good old-fashioned map. Let me see. Anybody? Okay, we got a few. How many of you, you love to live by faith and you just stop at the gas station and ask for directions? <laughs> now that's scary. That is very scary because you have to judge whether or not the person giving directions even has any idea what in the world they're talking about. But you, you need a map or a GPS or you need a guide. You need someone who's been that road. You need someone who knows the way. I remember before um, the, the time of GPS and all that, I remember I was a youth pastor and my wife and I were not yet married. We were, this was the summer and we were getting married that next spring. And so I had a group of teenagers with me in a church van and we drove from Geneseo, Illinois over to the area of Dixon, Illinois. It was about, about an hour or so, but we went to a, a teen camp for one night. They had a special service, and it was out in the country. And I'd been there during the day, but I had never driven there at night. And of course, we got there, and it was light, and we got out, and it was dark, and I didn't have a map. I mean, who needs a map, you know? Who needs that? And I thought, I know where I'm going. I remember as the youth pastor, I was the one who was responsible for those teens, and I remember we got back to the church about an hour or two later than we were supposed to because yours truly got lost. And isn't it amazing how you think you're going the right way? Oh, this road looks familiar. 
Uh, that, that house looks familiar. That barn looks familiar. Uh, that tree looks familiar. And sometimes uh, if we're not careful, we get lost. We got to have a, a GPS or a map. We also need road signs. We need markers. Amazing how we take that for granted. But aren't you glad that signs are posted to tell you the name of the highway or the name of the road? I'll tell you something else we need for our trips. We need fuel. If you've ever been out west driving, there are signs that literally say next gas or next fuel station, 400 miles. Next fuel station, 350 miles. Can I tell you, you want to make sure you're fueled up before you take that journey down that road. We need food. We need rest. Uh, and most, most of us who are good Christians, we need coffee or caffeine or something to help us for a trip. But Mary and Joseph, their trip was much different. Their first trip was a decree from a king. But their second trip and their third trip are the trips I'd like to talk to you about this morning. Those came from a higher authority. Those trips were ordered by God. God spoke to Joseph and he said, I want you to get up and I want you to go. And Joseph obeyed. That third trip when they were down in Egypt, it was a, a dream that God appeared to Joseph and he said, I want you to get up and I want you to go. And Joseph obeyed. I want to tell you that I want to obey and I want to be exactly in the place where God wants me to be. I'll tell you where God wants you to be. He wants you to be as close to Him as you possibly can be. You say, well, pastor, I'm in church. I'm glad you're in church. I'm thankful you're in church. But I've known people that were in church and physically they were in the right place. But spiritually, they were not where God wanted them to be. I want to be exactly where God has put me. I want to be in a place where the Spirit of God is. I want to be in a place where God is at work and the Word of God is preached and Jesus is exalted and the Great Commission is followed and God's people love one another and I'm thankful for that place. I, I'm thankful for the place, Victory Baptist Church. But this morning I'm speaking to a group of people here who are on a journey. Now I'm not talking about someone who's vacationing. I'm not talking about someone who's on a trip and you're getting ready to take a road. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about someone who is uh, uh, in search of an occupation, or I'm not talking about someone who's looking for a new house or looking for a new place. But I'm talking to people here this morning that are on a journey called the journey of life. The story is told of Albert Einstein. He was, a very, of course, a, a very intelligent man. He was a genius, and he was on a train leaving one day from Princeton. And while he was on that train, he was uh, leaving from Princeton. The, the man came through the car to check to make sure everyone had a ticket. They got to Mr. Einstein and he was searching everywhere and he couldn't find his ticket. And the, 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 the man there, he said, sir, he said, don't worry. He said, we know who you are. We know you've got a ticket. And he went on checking tickets to the rest of the car. When he came back through, he saw that Mr. Einstein was on the, the floor of that train car looking under the seat. Uh, 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 searching for his ticket. The man said again, he said, Mr. Einstein, I told you, you don't have to worry about the ticket. We know who you are and we know you have a ticket. He said, sir, I know I have a ticket too, but I'd like to find it and see where I'm going on this train. <laughs> and can I tell you, I think sometimes in life, that's the way we are. Uh, we, we know we're going somewhere, but sometimes we lose track and we lose sight of where God wants us to be 
in our life. I'd like to speak for a few moments this morning of how to know where you're going. Lord, I pray that you'd help us now not to miss these truths. I need your power. I need your strength. I pray that you'd give me wisdom to present these truths exactly in the fashion, exactly in the way that you want them presented. And Holy Spirit, as I preach the message that you've given me, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to each and every heart. I pray you'd convict us. I pray that you'd work on us. I pray that you'd help us not to have rest or peace until we get things right with you. And Lord, help us this morning to know where we're going. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Number one, I'd like to say this morning that God wants you to go to heaven. I don't know if you're going to heaven, but I know God wants you to go to heaven. I know that that's what Christmas is all about. It's not just about the tree, and it's not just about the carols, and it's not just about the decoration, and it's not just the good food and the parties, but Christmas is because God wanted you and God wanted me to be able to go to heaven so much that He was willing to give His Son the greatest gift that could ever be given. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Friend, the Son of Man, Jesus, Luke 19, verse 10, the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. You say, who was that? That was you. And that was me before Jesus found us. But I want to tell you, God wants you to go to heaven. So how do we get there? How do we get from point A? How do we get from planet earth to heaven? How do we get from the streets of earth to the streets of gold? John 14, 6, Jesus said it as clearly as it could possibly said. He said, I am the way the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's only one way you can get to heaven. And it's not because you're in church today, although I'm glad you're here. And it's not because you brought your Bible to church, although I'm glad you brought your Bible. It's not because your mom or your dad took you to Sunday school when you were a child. It's not because you got baptized. It's not because your name's on a roll somewhere. It's not because you're a nice person. It's not because you give to the church. The reason that a person goes to heaven is because they put their faith and trust in Jesus and Him alone for salvation. You see, the command is given in Acts 16 to get to heaven. You must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You must realize that you're a sinner. You must realize that you can't get to heaven apart from the, the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on Calvary. You must realize that you don't deserve to go to heaven. Friend, when you get saved, when you trust Jesus, you're not adding Jesus on to all your good works. You're accepting Jesus and realizing He's the only thing that's going to get you to heaven. We deserve, because of our sin, we deserve to spend eternity in a lake of fire. Now, friend, I want to tell you, sometimes we've heard it so much that we kind of tune it out. But I want to tell you, if heaven is real, then hell is also real. And as wonderful and as glorious as heaven is, can I tell you, hell, on the, to the contrast, is an awful place of torments. And as heaven is forever, so is a place called hell. God did not intend for you 
to go to hell. God wants you to go to heaven. So how do we get to heaven? Can I tell you, God gives you the roadmap in his word. God gives you the very clear instructions in his word. And if you'll do what God has told you to do, I want to tell you, you will end up in heaven. But if you do not accept the gift and if you do not obey the word of God, friend, I want to tell you there's coming a day, Revelation 20, where the Bible says the books will be opened. And another book, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things written in the books. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Throughout the week, many times I'll come in this auditorium when no one's here and I'll walk through and I'll just pray. And I'll walk up and down the aisles and I'll walk through the pews. And there's many times where I'll pray and I'll say, Lord, I hope there's nobody that's sitting in this section this Sunday that comes to church that is not saved and then leaves and they're still not saved. And God, I, I pray that there's nobody in this section here. I can't imagine standing before the great white throne for, for you to stand before the great white throne judgment and think, I sat at Victory Baptist Church. I heard the gospel. I sat around people that, that loved me and I sat around people that cared about my soul and I did nothing with it. I would be so, so, so heartbroken to know that there was someone this morning in this section right here who came to church and heard the gospel but did not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. How tragic. I pray that there'd be no one that would sit in this section right here and you say, but, but I go to church. I know you go to church, but going to church isn't enough. You must put your faith and trust in Christ. And what about this section here? You see, I don't know if you're saved. You can fool me and you can fool a lot of people and you can sometimes fool yourself, but you will not fool a holy, all-knowing, omniscient, righteous God because He knows what's in your heart. He knows what's in my heart. God gives us warnings along the way. I think about Joseph. I think about even the wise men that God warned them. God spoke to them. God said, don't do this. Don't go this way. And it's amazing how God gives us warnings. Maybe that warning is a friend at work who will come to you this week and say, hey, are you sure you're on your way to heaven? Maybe that warning this week for somebody will be a gospel track that someone will present to, to you or present to someone that's listening now. And that gospel track will be a warning. Say, hey, you need to get saved. Maybe it'll be a family member. Maybe it'll be a neighbor. Maybe it'll be a complete stranger. Maybe it'll be a Bible preacher. But God gives us warnings. I'm afraid when we, when, when we, when we observe and when we watch that judgment in Revelation 20, the great white throne judgment that is for unsaved people, I'm afraid there's going to be some people there that had warning after warning after warning, but they didn't heed the warning. Number one, I'd like to say God wants you to go to heaven. That's why Jesus came. That's why we have Christmas. You must make sure that you get from point A to point B and you know for sure you're on your way to heaven. Secondly, I'd like to say this. God wants you to know Him. The journey in your life is not about bettering your life. The journey of life is about knowing Jesus better. It's about glorifying Him. It's about praising Him. It's about magnifying Him. 
You will not know, and I will not know Jesus apart from His Word. It's so sad to think that some Christians, they get saved, and that's as far as their Christian life goes. I'm going to heaven. I can live however I want. I can do whatever I want. I can say whatever I want. I can act. No, no, no. That's not what God intended for you. Sure, you might be going to heaven. But can I tell you, you're missing out on a whole lot of blessings of knowing Christ and and walking with Him. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. Capital W. That's Jesus. And the same was in the beginning with God. John 1.14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we behold, beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. God wants you to know Him. The Bible command is given that we are to search the Scriptures. Our theme for this year is the Bible, the Word of God. Friend, don't go through the Christmas season and read all the Christmas stories and read all the, the, the fun stuff and you forget to spend time knowing Christ. God wants you to know Him. God wants you to get from point A to point B. You say, Pastor, I'm here this morning and I'm saved, but I don't really know Jesus. God wants you to know Him. And you can know Him through His Word. Joseph had to wait for a dream. Joseph had to wait for an angel. The wise men had to wait for a star. They had to wait for an angel. You don't have to wait for an angel or a star. You can get in this book anytime you want and hear from God and get to know Him. Number three... How to know where we're going. Number three, God wants you to get to His house. The Bible says in Hebrews 10.25 that we are to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. In Luke chapter 2, we see that Mary and Joseph, after Jesus was born, they made a priority to get baby Jesus to the temple. They got him to the church house. So, Pastor, I don't see why church is so important. Well, you obviously haven't read your Bible, and you obviously don't know much about what the Bible says because the Bible tells us that Jesus came and he established one institution. He established one institution, and it is the local New Testament church. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said to Peter, speaking of himself, he said, upon this rock, Speaking of himself, Jesus, he said, upon this rock, I will build my church. Friend, you can't make it without the church. I can't make it without the church. Say, oh, pastor, you think you're something special? No, I know I'm not something special, but I know what the church is all about. And I know that when you come to church, you hear the preaching. When you come to church, you you hear the teaching of the word of God. And when you come to church, you hear the warnings from God to help you in your life and in your marriage and in your home and in your everyday life. I believe that God wants you to get to church. I know I'm speaking to the choir this morning, so to speak. But I want to tell you, church needs to be a priority. I'm amazed. I'm amazed at how people are walking away from church. I'm amazed at how people put a priority on everything. I mean, it's, you know, underwater basket weaving is now more exciting than going to church. And the malls are full and the NASCAR and the sports and the fun. We're we're trying to make up stuff. Friend, nothing's, nothing's supposed to take the place of church for God's people. So say, well, pastor, what do I do? Uh, December's busy. Guess what? January will be busy too. 
and February will be busy and Satan will make sure there's always something else for you to do on Sunday. That's why you got to clear the schedule. That's why you got to rearrange the schedule. That's why you got to prioritize. Some of you say, well, pastor, I plan to come to church. I just can't get up on Sunday morning. Well, I've got a novel idea. Why don't you go to bed on Saturday night? I know that sounds so simple, but can I tell you, people have a hard time getting up. Uh, talk to the employers around this area. Oh man, I don't know if I can make it to work by eight o'clock in the morning. Friend, you talk to some of our old timers, by eight o'clock in the morning, they had a half a day's work already done. We can get to church by 10 o'clock for Sunday school. We can get to church by 11 o'clock, but get to church. Say, okay, I got you there, pastor. I am here. I know you're here and I'm glad you're here. But here's another idea. Why don't we come to church and get something out of it? You see, if we're not careful, and I'm the same way, we get so busy and th life is so crazy that we come to church and we sit down and we say, I survived. I made it another week. I am here. And by the way, I'm glad you're here, but why not get something out of it? Why not let the Bible speak to you? And why not ask God to give you something from the message and give you something from the music and give you something from the Sunday school class? I think we ought to get something out of it. Here's another idea. I think we ought to do something with what we get. Church is not just, all right, pastor, go ahead, let me have it, and I'll, I'll, I'll be back next Sunday. Oh, no, I'm giving you something today because I hope you'll do something with it this afternoon. And I hope you do something about it tomorrow. And I hope it will affect and change and challenge our lives. How about this? Maybe we could come to church. And rather than waiting for somebody to encourage us, maybe we could come to church and look for somebody that could use some encouragement. Maybe we could come to church and maybe we could be a blessing. Maybe we could look for somebody with a need and you say, well, I don't, I don't want to embarrass them. I don't want, to, I don't want to ask them what's going on. Why don't you write their name down? Why don't you pray for them this week? Why don't you send them a message this week and say, you know, yeah, I just wanted to find out the, the juicy gossip. No, why don't you send them a note this week and say, I just want to let you know I'm praying for you. I want to let you know I love you. I want to let, them, let you know that I'm for you. And can I help you with something? Can I do something for you? Why not encourage and why not invite others? Boy, I tell you what, we could use a whole army of folks that would just get, get, get burdened for somebody that's out of church, get burdened for somebody that's lost, get burdened for somebody that needs to be in the house of God and invite somebody to church. God wants you to get to his house. Lastly, God wants you to get where you're going to be holy. God wants you to be holy. Mary and Joseph, it's, a, it's a, an amazing study. It's a very interesting study that God didn't select Mary and Joseph at random. They didn't just win some lottery somewhere. God didn't get busy in heaven and say, oh no, I wonder who I'm going to pick. God selected Mary to be the mother of Jesus. God selected Joseph to be the earthly father figure of Jesus. And he picked people that were holy. He picked people that were pure. He picked people that were just. You say, well, well, pastor, how do I know if I'm holy? How do I know if I get there? How do I know if I'm, if I'm at a place of holiness? Well, the more you get in this book, this book will clean you up. 
And the more you get in this book, this book will show you things in your life that need to be fixed. It's like if, you, if you're working all day, maybe as in construction, or you're working all day as a, a mechanic, and you get all dirty, and you come home at night, and you, you've never washed your hands, you've never uh, uh, taken a shower, you've never changed your clothes, you just come home at night, and your family kind of looks at you strange, and you go to sit at the dinner table, and you got grease all over you, and you got sawdust all over you, and you got mud caked everywhere, and you are a mess. And somebody says, do you think maybe you want to clean up a little bit? Who do you think you are telling me what to do? Well, it shouldn't take somebody telling you because if you take a trip to the mirror, you could see for yourself. And this book right here is your spiritual mirror. Boy, we get so offended, don't we? Somebody tries to help us with something. We could save ourselves a lot of grief if we just clean up ourselves. If we would just take a look at the Bible and say, Lord, what do you want me to clean up? What needs to change in my life? God wants us to be holy. When you know him, when you spend time with him, you will be holy as he is holy. The command is given in 1 Peter, be ye holy for I am holy, saith the Lord. Happiness is such a misconception in our society. People think the goal is to be happy. Friend, I hope you are happy. I hope you're happy in your marriage. I hope you're happy in your job. I hope you're happy with your family. I hope you're happy with where you live. I hope you're happy with the, the position you are in life. I hope you're happy with those. But if happiness is the goal, you'll probably never get there. But if holiness is the goal, happiness is a byproduct of holiness. Here's how I know that. Because sin always makes you miserable. You see, when there's sin in our lives, when we're not holy, when we don't confess our sin, when we don't get it right, when we don't deal with it, that sin causes the Holy Spirit in a Christian to convict us. It makes us uncomfortable. And by the way, that's one reason why people don't read the Bible. They don't want to see what needs to be changed. That's one reason why people don't come to church. They don't want to hear the truth because they know there's something in their life that needs to change. But sin causes you to be miserable. Sin causes you uh, to be frustrated. And until you deal with the sin, you're not going to be able to pillow your head at night and have a clear conscience and know that everything is right between you and God. But I'll tell you, when you get things right with God, it's a wonderful feeling. It's a wonderful feeling to be able to say, there's nothing between my soul and the Savior. There's not anything right now in my life that I know that is sin that needs to be dealt with. You say, is it possible to get to that point? Absolutely. Now, you're going to have to work at that thing every day. And you're going to have to confess your sin every day. But God's plan for His people is that we be holy. So here's my question for you this morning in closing. How are you doing on your journey? How are you doing on your journey to heaven? Do you know for sure? Could you say if we went around the room and we started over here with Tequila and we got all the way over here to uh, Matt? Are you on that corner, Matt? Sometimes it's hard to see you over there, but if we started from one end to the other and we went to every person and we asked you this question, 
do you know for sure? 100% with no doubt, do you know for sure you're on your way to heaven? Could you say yes? If you cannot say yes, I've got good news for you. You can find out today how you can know for sure. So how are you doing on that journey? How are you doing on your journey to know Him? How are you doing on your journey to be closer to Christ and to walk with Him and to fellowship with Him? How are you doing on your journey to get to His house and to be faithful to church? And how are you doing on your journey to be holy? Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.